I'm just going to kind of skip the introduction and dive in. I do want to say uh, I'm Aaron Poor. I'm the associate pastor here at Journey Church. And uh, Pastor Sean asked me to speak this weekend. And I'm skipping the introduction because we're kind of already in the moment where we need to be to talk about this today. And so today I want to talk with you about the power of thank you. The power of thank you. You could call it giving thanks, gratitude, thanksgiving. I mean, we're in the season of thanksgiving already. Seems like 4th of July was yesterday and now we're buying turkeys and pumpkin pie and stuff like that. But I want to talk about the power of thanksgiving, the act of giving thanks. It's a powerful action and it's a powerful attitude. It's powerful because it's part of the mindset of powerful people. Powerful people are thankful people. And powerful people understand this. But it's also powerful because thanksgiving or giving thanks or, or being thankful as an attitude and a lifestyle makes things happen. Okay? And... We're, we're going to hit some things today rather quickly that are important points in how to move mountains in your life. And I love it when we come across something in Scripture that's so simple, right? That's just clear, laid out, simple, easy to understand. If you simply do this thing, then this will be the outcome, and this is one of those things. But Thanksgiving is a powerful thing because it makes things happen. It's a force that pulls our perspective into a healthy place when it was in a bad place. And uh, it's an intense force because God calls us to be intensely thankful. God calls us to be intensely thankful. Let me read you two short little verses out of the book of Psalms. Psalms 9.1 says this, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. With my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. There's something uh, powerful right there in the way that that's worded. I will give thanks with my whole heart. With all that I am. With every fiber of my being. I will recognize God's goodness, God's faithfulness, and with everything that I am, I will thank him for it, and I will be thankful. I, I will give thanks with my whole heart to the Lord. And then Psalm 717 says this. Well, let me just read it to you. It, this, always, this thing always gets me. I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness and justice. Anytime I see that phrase, according to, it catches my attention every time. Because think about what that means. Just think about it. It's saying, I will do this thing in reflection of the level of this thing over here. So, like, there's another verse in Psalms that says, I think it's in Psalms 150, it says, praise the Lord according to his excellent greatness, right? Right? And so if you look at your level of praise, 
it should be a reflection of God's level of greatness. You see how that ties those things together? And so, we, so that informs us on how much praise we should give to God. How much praise should I give to God? Well, how great is God? He's really, 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 really great. Well, then that's how much you should praise him. Well, this is saying the same thing. I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness and his justice. How righteous is God? How just is God? That should inform you to your level of living in thanksgiving to God. Now, again, I said this just a second ago. I'll say it again. If you are not already walking in this, this is a game changer and a difference maker. If you can get into a mindset of thanksgiving, especially towards God, this will change things in your life. So if we have that kind of a level of thanksgiving to God, according to his righteousness and justice, it makes things happen. Our level of thanksgiving should reflect God's level of righteousness and justice. So what I want to do, since this is such a powerful thing that can change things in your life, I want to give you three quick areas this morning that will specifically impact your life. And this isn't just Aaron's opinion or something like that. We're going to look at what the Bible says, and we're going to see how you can be changed by this. And how if you adopt a mindset and an attitude and a practice of being thankful to God, it'll change at least these three areas of your life. Okay, so jumping right in. Number one, thank you is a key that opens the door to God's presence. Thank you is the key that opens the door to God's presence. If you have struggled with experiencing, encountering, being in the presence of God, and I'm not talking about, you know, seeking after a weird experience or anything like that. I'm just talking about being in God's presence, feeling his presence, feeling, feeling God's joy, the joy of the Lord, feeling the love of God, worshiping him, and, and just having that sense that you are close to him and he's close to you. If that's been something you've struggled with, we're going to look at the key that opens that door right now. So let me read you Psalms 100, and I'm going to read the whole thing to you because it's really short, but it basically deals with this. So just listen to this. Psalms 100, starting at the beginning. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who's made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Now back in verse 2, verse 2 calls us to come into his presence. Come into his presence. How do you come into the presence of this ever-living supreme being who made all of heaven and all of earth? The Bible talks about describing the, the awe and the wonder of God. 
how the mountains shake and the clouds draw back at his approach and his eyes are like a flame of fire. And, and yet this verse calls us to just come into his presence. And there's an interesting, uh, if you look in Job chapter 37, it's dealing with this in almost with just a little bit of a sarcastic edge to it. And let me read it to you. You'll see what I'm saying. So Job 37, 19 through 24. You who think you know so much, teach the rest of us how we should approach God. For we are too dull to know. There's sarcasm there. With your wisdom, would we then dare to approach him? Well, does a man wish to be swallowed alive? For as we cannot look at the sun for its brightness when the winds have cleared away the clouds, neither can we gaze at the terrible majesty of God breaking forth upon us from heaven, clothed in dazzling splendor. We cannot imagine the power of the Almighty, and yet he is so just and merciful that he does not destroy us. No wonder men everywhere fear him, for he is not impressed by the world's wisest men." What is this saying? Number one, it's, it's just kind of reiterating what I just said. When we understand who God is and what God is all about, the idea of approaching him seems terrifying. And then the other thing it's, uh, it says is he's not impressed by the world's wisest men. I think there are times that we can convince ourselves and, and make ourselves believe that if we know enough scripture and if we've studied enough and we've watched enough uh, YouTube theology teachings or something, you know, you know, let me just put it this way. God is not impressed with your MDiv. And you might have to have an MDiv to know what an MDiv is. But God's not impressed with your intellect doesn't mean that it's wrong to be intellectual. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying that your level of intellect does not provide you access to the presence of God. That's not what gets you there. And so how do we do this? One part of this chapter is calling us to come into the presence of God and thank God. Another part of this chapter tells us how to do this. So you go back to Psalm 100 and verse 4 says this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and then his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. So David is referring and using the tabernacle as an analogy here. Now I have a picture of this. So the tabernacle for the Israelites um, was an area that was partitioned off and in the middle of this area, there was a tent, and inside the tent, there was a place called the most holy place where the presence of God would dwell. And when people wanted to come and worship God, they would first have to enter that partitioned area. So there were gates, and you can see there where they've lifted up the curtains, and you would have to enter those gates to come into the courts, and then there were various things they would do to begin worshiping, uh, and, and we're going to talk about here in a second, the idea of bringing the sacrifice of praise, we would, they would begin worshiping and begin approaching God. But to begin that process, they had to enter gates. 
And David is saying, you enter his gates with thanksgiving. Now that is a principle that still is in place now. We don't have a tabernacle like that, right? We're in a building. In fact, I'm not going to get off on this, but you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, but yet, how do we enter into a close encounter with God? And David's principle that he's laying out here still holds true. We enter with thanksgiving. And so what happens is our mindset, our focus shifts into this attitude of gratitude. I didn't try to do that. It's just the way the words work. But what we did today, we sang several songs about how good God is, about how faithful God is. And when you do that, it begins to move things around and make you open to the presence of God. We enter his courts with thanksgiving. And so, listen, if you have been struggling to enter the presence of God, thanksgiving is the key. Thanksgiving is the key. Now, let me try to just deal with what some of you are thinking. Is it always easy to do that? Am I presenting something to you that's easier said than done? Oh, well, just be thankful. Well, hey, guess what? I don't feel like being thankful today because this happened and this happened and this happened. And you may be able to stand up there and preach a scripture to us and say, this is all you have to do. But I'm telling you, my life is in a mess right now and being thankful is not that easy. Okay, I get that. And that's true. It's not always easy to be thankful. Uh, Sometimes it's very difficult and sometimes it feels impossible to be thankful. Um, There's a quote that I came across this week while I was studying and praying about this. Let me read this quote to you. It says, gratitude as a discipline involves a conscious choice. I can choose to be grateful even when my emotions and feelings are still steeped in hurt and resentment. It is amazing how many occasions present themselves in which I can choose gratitude instead of a complaint. I I can choose to be grateful when I'm criticized, even when my heart still responds in bitterness. I can choose to speak about goodness and beauty, even when my inner eye still looks for someone to accuse or something to call ugly. So in that moment, When you are down, you're emotionally spent, you don't have any mental, emotional energy, you don't have any inward motivation to be thankful, when you still use your power of choice to thank God, then you are actually bringing a sacrifice of praise to God. Now, you can walk in here today and everything is just perfect And you take your seat, and we start singing the song, I thank God. And it's like, oh, yeah, I thank God. It's great. Thank you, Lord. Great life. Awesome. But when you come in here today, and you've had a horrible day, week, month, year, life, and you're like, I thank God, when you make a choice to do that, that's a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. And what is the sacrifice? 
That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. The fruit of our lips. What is the fruit of your lips? Speaking. Words. Singing. And that takes a conscious decision. I'll say this a couple more times today, but attitude or gratitude is an attitude and thanksgiving is a choice. It's an action. So gratitude is an attitude, but thanksgiving is an action. So we bring this sacrifice of praise to God. And uh, when you feel like doing anything but thanking God, and yet you still make the choice to do it, this is, remember I told you, Thanksgiving is a powerful thing. We're going to look at three areas that it will make a direct impact on your life right now. Here's one. When you do, do not feel like being thankful to God, do not feel like giving him glory, thanking him, and yet you choose to do it, your thanksgiving becomes weaponized, and it pulls down strongholds of greed and entitlement in your life. It destroys them. It obliterates them because it becomes a powerful tool, a powerful weapon to, to uh, reveal and destroy those things in your life. Greed and entitlement are things that can exist inside of us without us realizing that they're there. And, it, and that's, that's just the fact. I, I can think of a story just this week of uh, praying with somebody and having them come to that realization. So, number one, thank you is the key that gets you into the presence of God. Number two, thank you is the antidote for greed and entitlement. So, like I just said, what if you have this operating? What if this is influencing and affecting your mindset and you just don't realize it, you know? What if there's a little root of that going on in your life and you just can't see it? Well, there are three things you can, there are three signs that it might be a problem in your life. And th this could become its own message. I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to give these to you, leave them here, and let them be a self-test that you can apply to your own life. But three signs that greed is a problem. Number one, believing that I don't have enough. Believing that I don't have enough. Number two, Believing that what I do have is mine, okay? And number three, deciding I'll do whatever it takes to get more. So if you have any one or all three of those attitudes, even if they're a little softer than the bluntness that they're being communicated on the screen behind me right now, if they're there, if they're present, if you have something going on in your mindset that... I just don't think I have enough. You know, I don't, I, I don't believe that I need more. I just, I need more. And then if there's also with that a belief that what I have belongs to me, which if you're following Jesus and if you've given Jesus your life, you've given him your life. That means everything. And if you've, if you've made a decision that I will do whatever it takes to get more. I'm willing to step across lines. I'm willing to break principles. I'm willing to bend rules to do whatever I need to do to get more. 
because I don't believe I have enough and whatever I do have is mine. Then there's something going on in the way you're thinking and probably in your heart that needs to be exposed and dealt with. Thanksgiving will do that. Because greed is a lack of trust in God as our provider. That's basically what it is. So greed is saying, I don't have enough. I need more. And when I get it, I'm going to hoard it and spend it on me because I don't know when I'll get more again. So do you believe that God is your provider? Do you believe that what he has said he will do, he will actually do? Do you believe that God is a good shepherd and a good father that knows what your needs are? More than you know what your needs are, he knows, and he wants to take care of you and meet those needs. So thanksgiving and trust are connected. They're connected. They're kind of two sides of the same coin. And we know how important it is to trust God. We have to trust God in this life. And so the way they're connected is if you're walking along on the timeline of your life, as you look forward into the future, you trust. You trust God that his promises are real and they will come to pass and he will do what he said he will do. And you're trusting him with your future. But when you turn around and you look back on the, on the timeline that you've already traveled, you thank God. And you recognize where he has been faithful and where he has carried out his promises for your life. And do you see how that works? It's the same concept, but one is looking forward, the other is looking backward and actually looking into the present. So thanksgiving and trust are connected. We trust God for what he will do, and we thank God for what he has done and for what he is doing. And so thanksgiving is an antidote that will reveal and remove any root of greed or entitlement or self-centeredness uh, that might be living in your heart. And you got to get that out. Those are for the first two things. The last thing is thank you or thanksgiving is a lens that resets our perspective. And I believe that everything boils down to identity and perspective. Everything does. And if your perspective is off, then most everything else will be off too. Because most things are tied to your perspective. Now, Pastor Sean recently asked us, what kind of spy are you? You remember that? And we talked about the 12 spies that went in to look at the promised land. Ten of them came back and they said, it's full of giants. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes and in our eyes. And two of them came back and said, hey, this is a land flowing with milk and honey, and we are well able to take this land. Now think about this. They both saw the same thing, right? They both saw. It's not like the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, didn't see the giants. They saw that too. They all saw the same thing, but they came back with different reports. The different reports were due to a different perspective. The 10 spies had a problem believing that God was going to do what God, God had called them to take that land, but they had a problem believing that he was going to do that. Joshua and Caleb, the two spies, didn't have a problem believing that. 
So one had a, if we could call it, a kingdom of God perspective, and one had a, let's call it a natural or a worldly perspective. There's a more, I believe, a more vivid analogy of this when you look at David facing off with Goliath. So, and most of you know this story, but David shows up on the scene and the armies of Israel are cowering in fear, right? And they all see this guy. And they're all afraid because this guy, he's this giant. He's been a warrior since he was a kid. He's killed many men. He's a scary guy. And he's challenging somebody from the army to come out and face him. And everybody's afraid of him. Nobody wants to do it. And David gets there, and he's this teenager that takes care of sheep out in the wilderness. And he says, well, I'll go fight that guy. Well, you know, like, what's, what's the deal, guys? I mean, why is nobody fighting this guy? And the same thing that happened with the spies is happening with David and all the armies of Israel. It's a perspective thing. So what is the difference? David, you, you hear it in, in David's statement. When he looks at Goliath, he, and, and again, David sees the same giant that all of those soldiers are seeing. They're seeing the same thing. But David looks at Goliath and he says this, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? So what is David seeing? And why is he bringing up circumcision? Because for them, circumcision was a mark of the covenant. And David understood, here it is, here it is. David understood that if Goliath was going to challenge him, he was actually challenging God. And so it didn't matter if David was five years old and Goliath was 90 feet tall. Goliath is never going to defeat God. And God had promised through covenant that he would fight with and for the children of Israel. David was the only one that got it. All the rest of those guys did not get it. They were looking, again, from a natural mindset, and they were seeing Goliath's size and his skill in fighting, and they're like, oh, I don't have what it takes. And David's looking at it, and he's like, it's not about whether or not I have what it takes. It's about God versus him. And I'm not worried about that. So let's bring it back to what we're actually talking about here. Thanksgiving is a powerful force that will realign your perspective to that kingdom perspective. Because everybody in here has either faced a giant, or you are facing a giant, or you will face a giant. And facing a giant simply means this, that you have come across in your life a situation or a circumstance that is too big for you to handle on your own. We're all, we've all either been there or we're there or we're going to be there. That's, the, that's just the fact of life. So when you get there, how are you going to respond to that? What kind of spy are you going to be? Are you going to be a David who understands his covenant with God? Or are you going to be part of the trembling army who somehow that just went over their head and they somehow thought it was up to them to take care of the giant on their own? 
How will you respond? Thanksgiving, an attitude of thanksgiving, of gratitude, thanking God, looking back. Look, I'm telling you right now how this works in application. Facing a giant in your life. And go ahead and just think about whatever that is. If you're in that situation right now, whatever that is, whether it's a relationship, financial problem, health problem, whatever, think about what it is right now. The way that you respond to this is affected and influenced by how thankful you are towards God. Because as you look at God's hand at work in your life, it will shift your faith. You know, the Bible says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Thanksgiving is a way of testifying to our own heart how good God is, how faithful God is. And thanksgiving will shift your perspective into a kingdom of God perspective. And, it's, and like I said, it's connected to trust. So I'm, I'm coming in for a landing, believe it or not. And um, I, I want to just hit one more thing. And 1 Thessalonians, <coughs> and this is, I, I just, before we wrap this up, I want to deal with one possible issue that people might struggle with over the idea of being thankful, when to be thankful, what to be thankful for, all of that. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So simple, so clear, lays it out nice and obvious and plain as day for anybody to understand. Yet, many, many, many people get this wrong. Get this wrong. Many people read this verse like this. See if you can catch the difference. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks for all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I want to challenge some of your thinking if, this is, if you're wrestling with this right now. God has never called you to be thankful for sickness, for pain, uh, for hurt, for being broke or broken. God has not called you to be thankful for those things. He's called you to be thankful in those things. And there is a mountain of difference between those two. Because if you believe, if you believe that God has said, I want you to be thankful for all the junk that's going on in your life, then you are going to go down a path that eventually turns God into a monster. And he's not a monster. He's a father that loves you, but he does call you to be thankful in those things. Because again, if you are in those things, sickness, hurt, brokenness, financial problems, whatever the case may be, then again, it will shift your perspective away from the problem and back to him, and he will lead you out of it. But he did not call you to be thankful for those things. He calls you to be thankful in those things. Last little quote here, uh, Tim Keller says, it's one thing to be grateful, it's another thing to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel, thanksgiving is what you do. So let's do it.
So here's what I want to do. Let's have the band come back up. And I want to do something. I, I want to take this, let's take this out of a discussion and an academic presentation and let's do it. Let's, let's apply it. Let's actually, each one of us, do it right now. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Um, and you can go ahead and stand up. I just want you to take a few moments and I want you to make a short list of what God has done in your life, okay? Um, it doesn't have to be a thousand things, right? I mean, you can think of a couple things that God has really done that you are so grateful for. It can be very specific. And if you're standing there right now and it's like, oh, my life is really, really in the sewer right now, and I am really facing a lot of hard, and I'm having a hard time coming up with anything to be thankful for. Let me give you a couple prompts. You could be thankful that Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, asked his only son, who is seated at his right hand, to leave his throne, travel through space and time, and be born as a human being in a feeding trough for you, for you. And anytime those feelings of I'm not worthy, I'm, I'm useless, I'm worthless, I don't, why am I even here? Why, you, can, you can think about the fact that the maker of heaven and earth chose to send his son for you. And then he has decided that's your level of value and I'm gonna send Jesus for you. You could be thankful for that. You could be thankful that God sent his Holy Spirit to actually come and live in you. And that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, you're carrying around inside you. And that God sent the Spirit of God to walk with you, be with you, partner with you, teach you, lead you through things, give you joy when you need joy, give you peace when you need peace, give you strength when you need strength. And you could be thankful for that. You could be thankful uh, that he gives you unshakable hope that no matter what happens in this life, no matter how messy this life gets, nothing, nothing, nothing can shake the hope that you have, that you will have all eternity with him in his presence. There's so many things you can thank God for, no matter what's going on in your life. Because God's goodness so far exceeds our circumstances. It's not hard if you just stop and you begin to appreciate him, how good he is. And so we're gonna do that right now as we do this last song. Let me pray over you right now. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for the love the steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. Great is your faithfulness. Lord, we're overwhelmed right now with how good you are. And we don't even understand how much, why you love us so much. But we believe it and we accept it and we receive it. And Lord, we're just thankful. And we're just thankful. And Lord, we allow this attitude 
and this choice to be thankful to just flow through us and affect the way we think and affect the way we feel and affect the words that come out of our mouth right now. And so Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come as we sing and pull and draw out that deep thanksgiving out of people's hearts right now as we sing to you, Lord, in Jesus' name.